welcome to the Otaku Street Podcast, your favorite place for anime news, video game discourse, and everything in between. I am your host today, Jamal, and as always, we're followed by Adam and Wolpe, except Chris. Chris is out of commission. He is sick, so we're going to do a filler episode today, and we got a few things to talk about. We have the cancellation of E3, Smash, out of Evo, and what makes a good villain in a story. And the first thing we're going to talk about is the villain, because whenever we talk about video games, we can go on forever. I'd also like to add that welcome to Otaku Street, your favorite place for anime and video game discourse. Um, my name is Adam. I'm with my co-hosts, Jamal and Wope, uh, and we got a lot to talk about today. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, video games and, uh, and anime and stuff like that, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to do the intro today. I'm glad that nobody else did it. Um, and, uh, so today yeah, we don't yeah, have Chris. Fuck, fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah I'm wondering what <laughs> he wanted to steal my thought. He's like, you know what? I'm the host. Now I'm taking over. <laughs> Fucking intro though, my god! <laughs> I thought you were like recording a take. That's why I didn't interrupt you. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to fuck with you guys. Oh man! Uh, that, that, what's what's hilarious is that that was Jamal's like best intro. Like, yeah, by far. yeah, like no stuttering, no. Welcome to the Otaku Street Podcast, your favorite place for anime talk. <laughs> All right, I'm out. <laughs> All right, man. So today is one of the in-between days, right? In-between, we have... Oh, fuck. Whose idea was this? You said, what makes a good anime villain? Yes, that was my idea. Okay, um, all right. Start it off. Well, How are we feeling? So I have, I have a suggestion. Before we even get to that topic, because I feel like we can spend a lot of time with that, I have an even smaller topic that I wanted to discuss with you guys uh, prior to that. All right, spill it. What do you have? All right. So, have you guys seen the uh, first episode of Moon Knight? No, no. I don't have Disney, I don't have Disney Plus, and I'm so far behind in Marvel. I'm never going to watch anything. Here we go. Here we go. Watch, watch. Wait a second. I'm going to go ahead and take a deep breath in. Ready? Here's the follow up. Because what the fuck? <laughs> like, I told what about you, I'm it? So- I'm so far behind on my Marvel. Like there's, uh, there's movies I haven't seen. I I haven't seen WandaVision. Like I can't, I, I can't start anything new. I feel like I'm going to miss everything. So what, one, what? Of the, one of these days I'm going to catch up. I promise. I don't understand why, why haven't you started any of the shows? There's so much to watch, bro. I was watching, bro. We were watching Demon Slayer. We have to watch Cowboy Bebop. We were watching Attack on Titan. I was catching up on uh, Ozark. I'm watching Snowfall. There's so much. Like, I don't, I can't, I can't prioritize these shows at all. But I really did want to see it because I love, like, I don't know anything about Moon Knight whatsoever. But the design of the character and the costume looks really cool. I love the trailer. Um, like if it's if it's good, I might fast track it. Um, so, I, I just don't want to. I don't want to watch it out of order. You can do that, 
the way the shows work, obviously they're like kind of just tying together films to feature films, other films, et cetera, et cetera. And um, you can kind of like, watch them watch Luke Cage. Well, I mean, so, you know, the Netflix shows are on Disney Plus. Now, I, I'm not, I haven't watched any of those on Disney Plus, but I did watch them when they're on Netflix. And those are solid. I'd say, obviously, Daredevil is the best one. Right. Jessica Jones is, is pretty good. I didn't really like the villain um, that much, but uh, he's kind of a fan favorite somehow. Luke Cage was okay, which, funny enough, Mahershala Ali is the villain in that show, and he's going to be Blade in the MCU coming up. Um, Iron, Fist, Iron Fist was not good, and then The Defenders was equally just as not good. Um, Have you ever watched uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No, and it's not canon, so you don't need to. Oh, okay. Did you mention Punisher? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Pun Punisher was good. Um and you can watch, I believe Damn, you I can forgot watch Punisher it. even came out. I yeah. mean, yeah, these are all like one season, right? Punisher has Except two. Daredevil. Daredevil, Daredevil has three, I think. Punisher and has the only one. Punisher has two. Jessica Jones has two. Iron oh, Fist has Jesus. one. Luke Cage has two or one? Yes. Okay. God, it's going to take forever, man. Well, that's the thing. You don't necessarily need to watch all of those. I would, I would definitely say watch daredevil um the punisher and then maybe an episode of jessica jones just to like or maybe like two or three episodes of jessica jones just to get a feel for it and then luke cage same kind of deal luke cage is dope um you know what i might actually end up doing um some of the some of the youtubers make really really good uh summaries of the entire go. series I might I might just kind of run through all of them except for Daredevil because I did start that a few years ago and I, I want to finish it because I remember it was, you know, like yeah. critically acclaimed. Uh, it is the Jessica Jones, I feel like I can skip through. You said Iron Fist with ass? Yes. Yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a YouTube review. Well, Moon Knight, um, so basically, like, I, I'll be honest, I haven't, always known about moon Knight or anything like that but in recent years ever since i like found about found out about him he's pretty tough because uh he was kind of marvel's answer to batman uh i can't remember when the first comic uh for moon Knight came out but i have i feel like it was in the 80s or maybe the 90s when everyone was super edgy because they started transitioning from like traditional comics to like think like uh actual stories where heroes died and um you know stuff like that and so everything uh, got a little darker in the 90s didn't it that was the, that was kind of the way the the comic book industry was going um not that like people hadn't died in uh decades before that but that's when like it but like art really... styles changed like yeah. you remember seeing like soup it's like super friends versus justice league right like you know, yeah. like that tone shift exactly and so uh moon knight was in a sense a lot of people agreed that like moon knight was uh, marvel's answer to batman mm. where it's kind of it's not the same backstory if anything iron man shares a very similar backstory but basically moon knight um is this guy with split personality uh disorder and uh, among other mental illnesses um and so 
one of the personalities uh, is basically like chosen by uh, an Egyptian deity uh, oh, to. I'm already in it. Like this guardian or like just this guy that like will, you know, fuck shit up essentially. Kills people, all of the above. I like it. The, the other personality is like, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly. And so the the draw of it all is that like this guy's fucking messed up um, and the personalities can come and go as they please sometimes. In the show, I think they're changing it a little bit where like, I'm not going to ruin anything, but basically like it happens in moments where you wouldn't expect it to, you know? Um, and so, yeah. So, and he's all, he's all white where I don't know if they're going to go that route in the show, but they have in the comics and in the cartoons and stuff. But basically, you know how Batman is dressed in all black. He doesn't want people to see him. He wants to use fear as his, uh, you know, as his biggest threat or weapon in a sense. Um, Moon Knight wants to wants to make sure that his victims and enemies see him coming, so that they, that's like he's the last thing that they see. So it's fucking like tough. That. That's, but that's anyway, cool ideology. Yeah, and uh, so Moon Knight's looking to be pretty solid. Um, I still think Loki is the best out of the the shows, the Marvel shows. Um, Are they coming out? Uh, they're coming out week to week, right? Uh, week yeah, to week, right? Great every Wednesday. So the, the second episode's coming out this uh, Wednesday. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, Loki's probably the best so far uh, that followed by WandaVision and then Hawkeye and then um, what's the uh, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier after that. And then Miss Marvel is supposed to be coming out this year as well. I'm honestly not very excited for that, but you know, I'll talk about it later when I actually see the show. But Moon Knight's looking to be up in the at least the top three, um, just because of the character. But then also, like, it's not just a regular like Marvel thing. Like, it's kind of like psychologically, like it screws with you just because you're like, oh my god, like where is this gonna go? Like, what even is? I happening? mean, that, that sounds like my type of show. I like that. It, it, it is. It is pretty good. Oscar Isaac is a phenomenal actor. Um, uh, what else has he been in? He's he's been in everything. He's been. It's uh, like I recognize that name. I've definitely heard that before. But he was in he was, Star Wars. Uh, he was the pilot uh, in the new in like the the second batch of sequels. Uh, I can't remember his name. Oh um, yeah, 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 no, he was cool. I remember him. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and then he's he was like when I first saw him, basically was in a uh, Deus Ex Machina, which was a really good film. Um, he Is was that also, related to the games. No, oh, okay. Um, there was a movie uh, that that was a movie that I'd like just heard about and like I watched it. And I was like, this guy's really fucking good at acting. Um, and then he was Apocalypse and X Men Apocalypse. Not a good movie, but still, he's a great actor. Um, He's been in a bunch of other shit though that I'm I'm definitely missing, but I'm only mentioning like the nerdy shits. Um, but yeah, so Moon Knight's looking pretty good. Uh, and the villain, he is in the comics. He's kind of like a one-off villain. Uh, he's like a cult leader basically, with like a half-paralyzed face. But in the show, he's a little bit different, and he seems to be uh, a little bit more powerful than in the comics. So, and it, I do like the premise. Um, so we'll see we'll see how it goes. Um, and, uh, so speaking of villains, let's talk about what makes a good villain. Wow. So we're just going to jump straight from your topic to the villain. What if I wanted to talk about my favorite show? 
Nah, nah, it's too late. Um, I'm kidding. <laughs> Sorry. I'm joking. I'm joking. Wah, wah, wah. All right, so I was thinking about <laughs> what? What did you say, Jamal? <laughs> you missed it. So, do we want to just like kind of spit like whatever comes to comes to mind, or like do we do we want to go by a kind of an algorithm algorithm like what what really makes a good villain? Because at first we talked about like what makes a good villain in anime and video games, but then because like those the the qualities that we see in those mediums um in terms of uh having a good villain like it, it, there's overlap with like movies and and tv shows and all that so uh i guess we could we could basically just start with what does a villain have to do to become a villain that like captivates you okay so what i was going to say is so we would all have our own different opinions about this, right? So I was just going to like rattle off a list of like things that villains do have to have, like you were saying, for example, like what is their ultimate goal? Is it world domination? Is it political? Blah, 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 blah. And we're talking about like, are we talking about boss level, like final villains? Or are we just talking about, you know, uh, like, like minor villains? I'm going to say... Um, and Jamal right, made Frieza. Are we like, talking like Zarbon? Right. So if we're talking movies, I'm talking like the villain of a movie, like a specific movie. Um, like in the case of like a Thanos or something like that, where it's like an overarching villain, we can kind of separate that if we so choose. But I, that okay. does fall into a, like a movie specific villain, you know, um, or like an arc in a manga or a comic book or an arc in an anime, like a Frieza sell no that's what i'm saying like a main villain i would i, I like, would talk about like a main villain like we're not going to be talking about um like the villain in fucking iron fist you know like, right who cares um but then again there can be a captivating villain in uh like one show in which we've seen in cowboy bebop for example um so it's kind like, of just like a, yeah like a one a one-shot villain yeah I mean, mm. do we even want to separate the one shots from the like larger arc villains, or do we want to just like kind of put it all in the same pool? Well, I feel like if they come to mind, then they come to mind, and like if they're important enough, if they were impactful enough, you would want to bring them up anyway. Yeah, like nobody cares what Dodoria's motives were, right? He worked mm -hmm. for Frieza. That was it. Yes, he's a villain, but. And he had his own personality, but no one cares. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just whatever comes to mind. So, like, for example, let's start with what I said. Um, what would your ideal villain's, like, motives be? Well, you can go ahead and start. I yeah. was, well, you guys, are I would definitely say it has, to, it can't be just something as simple as world domination. Because there's right. not that's enough, there's that's not just, enough depth to that. I can see, you know, that's be that's not fun. Taking some, maybe like forcing some change in the world, like taking it into their own hands, and using kind of that whatever means necessary type of mentality, and that's gonna involve doing some questionable actions that really make you question your own morality, and going beyond that, I would say it makes you really think that you know given the circumstances would this be acceptable 
while else because in normal you know like circ- in real life yes because like in normal circumstances circumstances those actions wouldn't be acceptable but given you know the cause that they're trying to make would you agree with them well so i talked I, I about feel like that no go ahead um, i was gonna say so i talked about final fantasy a couple episodes ago with uh my buddies x and and mike and it got me thinking like so the 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 villain from final fantasy 6 um kefka just like a crazy clown uh like but like almost at a cosmic level at, at one point um which is insane to even say in a full sentence but um i again haven't played final fantasy 6 but basically what it like came down to is like this guy just wanted to destroy everything right and sometimes that kind of that trope will get boring um and especially when a villain just the methods by which this villain tries to accomplish this goal of just destroying everything are just like run-of-the-mill very we've seen this a lot plenty times before boring in a sense right but the way that kefka did it in that in that story it was captivating so i think the the biggest point that i want to make i guess through this is that if a villain has like a boring reason to be a villain but also carries out that vision in a captivating way, I think they can still be a very uh, successful villain in terms of like the audience. Right. On the other hand, so do you think the methods are more important than the, uh, than the ideals? Not, not necessarily because I was going to say like, on the other hand, you could have a very captivating um, villain. Like the reasons make sense. They relate to the everyday, like the average Joe. Um, And like, that's, one of the biggest draws to like a to to a villain uh is like oh i see their point of view but then the methods they go about it might not be as you know uh devastating to the masses uh but because of the weight of their vision uh that carries a little bit further um like to the audience so i can't i i could be a balance and then of course they're like great villains that have both the vision and the methods and then the weak villains that have a poor vision and don't do much with that vision um okay so i I feel like uh sorry not to interrupt you but i was going to say like i feel like the way we should approach this then like name aside from kafka like name a villain that really stuck out to you for like a specific reason like you said, uh, Kefka's like actions are what like made him special, right? Mm. Is he like a top villain in your eyes? Like, is he top fifty all time? Not top 50? fifty. Right. Yeah, yeah, fifty. Top fifty. All yeah, all mediums. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and obviously, we're going to be biased with this a little bit. Uh, of just course, like, of course. Every top anything list is biased. Yeah. But and on top of that, we can't remember every fucking villain that we have ever seen in our lives. But um, but who wait 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 who do you think would be like the general world consensus number one villain all time? Modern day, because like the MCU is so massive that probably it'd probably be like Thanos or some shit like that. You know, it, it was um, the first name that came to my mind. So you know, but um, I'm I I'm thinking maybe it's just because we just talked about Moon Knight, but. But I even yeah, then, Thanos, like, I don't know, because a lot of it is how how they show you. Like Thanos has only been seen in movies now, like big budget, huge like productions. I mean, obviously Thanos has been in the comics for a long time. 
Right, right. But you're saying modern movies day. Off of. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I'm, I'm I, you know, okay. no, that's why I'm saying like, yeah, Thanos, you know, he always had the same motivations in the comics, but the way it was presented to you is still a comic. He's still a comic book character like every other comic villain. Mm-hmm. Now, for him to be shown big screen and have such a cultural like significance with the snap and everything, like, I don't know, like, <laughs> he's just like a symbol of villain excellence and yeah. his motives made sense. Why well, like about Danos is that he stuck with his philosophy. He never changed. He never backed down from his he own philosophy. Yeah, from his own philosophy. And I think that makes a good villain. At least, because obviously in, in anime, you know, you have a lot of villains that will kind of change their ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine for a story standpoint because people can change, but it kind of ma- doesn't make them feel like a villain anymore. So, so your villain has to remain evil throughout their, like, throughout all their uh, incarnations. Like, not so this evil. is not a villain anymore. Not evil, but they have to stick to their guns in a sense. Like, we can perceive it as evil, but they see it as good, right? Right, right. Um, okay. Okay, yeah, and, that's fair. Th- and I mean, but then again, again, that doesn't apply to every villain like Kefka didn't necessarily see his vision as good. It was just what he wanted to do. And he did it. Like he fucking, he destroyed the world. Like he was successful. And I think that also might make a good villain because like, how often do we see the villains become successful? We've seen Kefka in Final Fantasy VI, which is lesser known, but then Thanos was successful in Infinity War. You know, how often do we see a real success story with, with with our villains? And I feel like that's another thing that adds to Thanos' like legend. Like he he did it. Like yeah. he accomplished what he set out to do, and then it got reversed by time travel and you know, bullshit. But in that universe, bro, that's him. He yeah. was the guy, and he was going to remain the guy. We don't get we don't get to see that often. Like, this is such a super, super minor example, but um, I don't know if any of you guys have watched Harley Quinn, right? But, oh, damn, this is a huge spoiler. Are, are any of you guys going to watch uh, Harley Quinn? Just say spoiler warning. I don't care. Okay, cool. So, spoiler warning for Harley Quinn people, but at the end of season one, Joker, like, wins, right? This show is like a comedy, but there is, like, an overarching story. And Joker ends up taking over Gotham City. Batman's like defeated and blah, 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 blah. And then the next season starts with Harley and Ivy and all their other little sidekicks, like living in Joker's Gotham. And Mm. it's also like, you know, it's controlled by, in parts by Penguin and Two-Face and Bane and uh, uh, Riddler. And anyway, so Joker winning kind of makes, like in that sense, puts him up the ranks and i know there's so many incarnations of joker and in comics there's definitely a there's definitely a series is where joker is like the guy like where joker's already won right i just like to see my villains win i like to see i like to see them like be successful Sorry, I think I just ran in a whole circle just to get back to your point. But yeah, man, I'm um, seeing, those, I'm seeing my villains be successful too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the, and we'll we'll talk to Joker even more so because that's one of the greatest villains of all time. But 
So I just came across an, uh, an article from Empire um, listing the top 20 greatest villains of all time. Uh, and this is across, uh, I would assume mostly movies, but also other mediums, um, considering that like movies can interpret, you know, video games or whatever, uh, you know, comics and all that. So I'm just going to run down this list. And then if you guys uh, hear anything that comes to uh, comes to mind, just, you know, spit it out, interrupt me. Okay. There you go. All right. So number 20, Michael Myers from the Halloween series. That's pretty solid. Number 19, T-1000 from Terminator 2, Judgment, Judgment Day. It's great. That's a great villain. Never never wavered, but was, I mean, obviously it was like a robot, but. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it counts, right? It, I it mean, your programming does. is your programming. It's, it's a villain in terms of the story. Right. Um, number 18, Freddy Krueger from the Nightmare on Elm Street series. I'm with it. I like I it. Like it. He's one of my. He's uh, he's like a he's like a dark horse in terms of my favorite. Is this all movie list. villains? You said. I I think mostly, uh, because it is Empire, uh, like Empire Online, like the magazine or whatever. Um, and then okay, oh yeah, so, so it's definitely going to be biased to whatever the fuck they want to show. But, yeah, but as well, a we, list, I mean, these are top villains all time either way. Absolutely, like top fifty, like you know, yeah. um, number seventeen, Agent Smith from uh, the Matrix trilogy. And we're not going to mention the new Matrix. Uh, just the only movies that ever happened were the trilogy. Thank you. You know, I, I still haven't seen the Matrix. You don't need to. Okay, cool. Uh, I, w- I would definitely watch the first one <laughs> and then just call it a day. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> number 16, Norman Bates from Psycho. That's solid. If you guys have ever seen I like Psycho it. from I like 1960, it. it's, it's, it's fucking crazy. Um, Oh, this is kind of a, not a curveball, but I wouldn't necessarily agree. Number 15, Palpatine from the Star Wars uh, saga. Uh, I, I, I like Palpatine, but not one of my favorites. I'll give him to be a very blueprint type of villain. Yeah. Just being, even. being undercover in the Senate. and the, I am the Senate. Like, uh fucking just wanted to control everything like all right um this one yeah, this is wow oh this is uh the actor who played uh professor snape i can't remember his name alan, uh, alan rickman yes alan rickman uh number 14 the sheriff of nottingham from robin hood prince of thieves definitely never saw that but if alan rickman was the villain i'm sure he was excellent right i think i think he comes up twice in this list and we'll get to that um Ah, bless that man. Nurse Ratched from One uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Also unfamiliar. Uh, I actually do need to watch that movie. I actually looked it up recently, and uh, it's an it's an all timer right there. Um, number twelve, Sauron from The Lord of the Rings. I've never uh, seen The Lord of the Rings except like okay, the first okay, so Hobbit. That, that brings up another. That brings up another thing. Can your villain just be a disembodied voice? Sauron's not a disembodied voice, though. Isn't he just like that eye thing? No. Sauron, he had the giant suit of armor. He had the ring to rule them all. Um, and they had the voice of Sauron, which was like one of his sidekicks. The, 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 the giant thing on the tower was the eye of Sauron. Oh, I thought that was like the whole villain. <laughs> no. 
never so on it was like an over encompassing um just like a uh an entity basically that was oh, okay. embodied in this suit of armor it was very very ominous i right. i i agree i i agree so so he didn't have like a physical body he was more of a I think like he, he took the form of something. Now, don't but... quote me on this. I, I'm not huge on Lord of the Rings lore. Um, I was for a little bit when I was younger, uh, but uh, I, I believe Sauron used to be either a human or not a hobbit, but either a human or like a wizard or something like that. And then he got the ring and then just like just became this demon, basically. But I may be wrong. Um, but yeah, so solid. Um, number eleven, Gollum from Lord of the Rings. I don't know. If Absolutely I agree not. Yeah, I don't know if I agree with that. I like Gollum, but I wouldn't call him number eleven in the top twenty of all time. Well, wait, he does. He does kind of. Uh, he sticks to his 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 reasons, right? He only cares about the ring. Um, yeah, he's twisted. Well, I guess that's life. really it. Yeah. Uh, no, I feel like. I have a quick question. Does a villain do you have like do you think a good villain makes you hate them? Like for it, example, or one, love them. A good, a good either villain, hate them or love them. There cannot be like an in-between. Yeah. I have to be very, very strong like emotions. I have to feel very strong emotions toward my villain. The way I see it is like the villain makes you either empathize with them, but like also see why they can't be alive um or like you love to despise this villain so much because of what they've done so that so much so that you root for your main for your protagonist like for example um in harry potter the order of the phoenix how, how what would you guys opinion be of dolores umbridge oh no she's 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 despicable yeah just a piece of shit no yeah no she's she's an asshole would you say she's a good villain Yes, in the yeah. same way that JBL was a good heel in WWE. <laughs> like I despised him so much because he was doing his job so well. And yeah, she, like there's just an annoying quality to to Umbridge that just it never went away. I could like I felt it when I read the books and then the woman who who played her in the movie. So good. So good so good uh i don't know that that's a top tier villain i haven't thought about that one jamal that's yeah wild. jamal that's a yeah. that's a wild uh curveball. super random that's super random but dolores on umbridge is a fantastic villain look at jamal out here calling his pitches jesus yeah Christ. man got to got to throw a little something every now and then while i'm reading my list and you're responding will pay jamal's just over there fucking contemplating villainy <laughs> But no, he's looking through his, his fucking bookshelf. <laughs> nah, not even. It just came to mind. Cause I thought about asking, like, you know, while you guys are talking, I'm like, huh, like, what about, like, making a villain hate them? And then I merely thought of Dolores Umbridge. Wow. Right, okay, Adam, so Adam, just kind of run through the rest of the names real fast. Okay. This one's kind of like, so this is not, you know, backstory and all that. Like, it's almost absent. This number 10 is the Alien from the Alien series. That's a great villain just because of, like, how fucking menacing and terrifying the xenomorphs are have you guys ever seen the alien series yes and alien has an incredible design yes so 
that brings a whole nother like yeah. aspect yeah. of ability. Yeah, being not of like like not being human definitely <laughs> definitely helps, I think. God damn, there's so but many. Not, like when I say run through can... the names, I mean like just say all of them in a okay. row and then we can talk right. about it. Because <laughs> I right. run wrong. Here we go. The top ten. Ten, the alien, nine, Voldemort. Eight. Uh, I don't know about that. Oh, my bad. My bad. True. True. Jesus. (laughs) Uh, number eight, Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men. Number seven, Kylo Ren. What? Okay. Keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Number six, Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards. Number five, (laughs) Hannibal Lecter from The Silence of the Lambs. Number four, Hans Gruber, who was another Alan Rickman villain from Die Hard. Number three, Loki. Number two, the Joker. And number one, Darth Vader. Okay, so I'm not about to argue with uh, placements on this list because that could just go forever. Um... Do okay, so good guy turned evil villain. How do you guys feel about that? I mean, it's possible. I don't mind that at all. I it depends on their reasons. Um, I can't let's see. I can't really think of a good reason as to like why because I haven't said anything like oh that's dumb. I can't think of anything on top of my head, but the trope itself, like a good guy turned evil, I don't mind that because I mean it can't because be that's, realistic. That's Darth Vader. Darth Vader is your classic good guy turned evil, corrupted by the Force. You know all that. I mean, I kind of like it because then it kind of gives the story some depth and direction. Like, oh, like this one character that you love is now evil, and then makes. But you... did you did you ever feel empathy towards Vader? No, I did not. Like after after he became Vader, you weren't like you were ready for him to be done. I just like okay, well he's evil. He turned Vader, but I don't know about done. But I want to see, I don't know more. Maybe I need to rewatch the movies to try to have like a new opinion on it. But I wouldn't. This is a whole new. I would say Vader is Darth Maul has been disrespectful. Like for me personally, I think Vader would be more of a classical villain rather than a good villain. Like he's he's kind of bare bones too. Yeah. Okay. Also, the what what stands out for Darth Vader is that like he was uh, bare bones is the wrong way to put it. Let me not say that. But conceptualized in the seventies, you know, um, by George Lucas, and like in the seventies, the kind of the uh, clear cut villain was like, all right, well, this guy just wants to rule everything or destroy everything, and that's kind of it. Um, But in the seventies, it was kind of like revolutionary to have this guy who was the protagonist's father uh who at one point was a good guy but then we didn't see that until episode one you know much later in uh 1999 but at the same time it's and there has been a bunch of lore through comics and uh him showing up in in video games over the years and you do get more more lore on him um but the fact that like he wanted to darth vader wanted to joined the dark side in hopes of saving Padme because he got selfish in, instead of preserving the balance of the force, he wanted to preserve his own 
uh, interests and like his, his love and everything. So he had good intentions, but just got corrupted through uh, the dark side of the force. And I think that that is really what makes him a captivating villain. Because one, one single flaw, like just being selfish in one moment, kind of. Yeah. It, it, it did him in. Exactly. And I, I feel like a lot of people can empathize with that, especially when we saw uh, Anakin in episode three, you see that like, oh man, like he, he just felt betrayed because he felt like the, um, the, the force, the, the light side of the force in a sense, wasn't doing him well. Like it wasn't like, he thought that like, well, well, you know, I've done everything that I've ever been asked of. Why can't I get what I want? And so and he didn't because that's just what wouldn't balance out the force properly. So he right. said, okay, well, fuck that. I'm going to do what I want to do in order to, to make myself happy in a sense. Maybe like there, there are people that are bigger fans of Star Wars that can sum it up better than that. But in a way, that's like why he was such a good villain. Because like at the end of it all, he was a, a, a good guy with good intentions turned bad because he was twisted and skewed by uh, outside forces. And he, I mean, it's a, it's a believable concept. Well, mm -hmm. explain, even outside of that universe, yeah. Explain this to me, because, I mean, one thing about villain, I mean, obviously a backstory transition is also important, but what did Vader do while he was a villain? Because right now we're just talking about his transition into becoming He's a, a villain. He's a space imperialist. So, like, what he was his... planet. What was it? Okay. Uh, okay. He wanted to rule planets. Yeah. Okay. So he wanted to rule planets. Like, so what was, cause I'm not a big, I mean, I seen star Wars, but I never really followed it in depth and I've been so inconsistent with it. I know the general story, but I don't really know in depth things. So what was yeah, his I mean, philosophy was building... during while he was like Vader? Like, what was he trying to I accomplish? Gonna, he's going to rule with an iron fist. And then if, if a planet or, uh, like an organization went against him, they like there was no negotiation. It was like you're dead if you it, don't. Yeah, it was join or die, planet by planet, essentially, because I can. Oh, okay. Hmm. Like no pr prisoners taken, other than Princess Leia, um, but obviously because Leia, you know, was his daughter. Um, like you're gonna die if you don't bow to my will yeah no questions so, asked right and i mean i, I kind of like that in my villains too like if, if you're gonna have absolute power use it kill everybody in your way if that's really if that's really how you get down and that's gonna be your thing then do it because i'm gonna hate you for it if you're written correctly and to quote, like, like I want to Palpatine, see the unfair deaths. To to quote Palpatine, do it. <laughs> do it. <laughs> All right, and Voldemort. What's your guys' opinion on Voldemort? When I heard uh, that, I was just like, eh, like he's a like he's a good you evil know, villain. It it it's funny. I I feel like. Man, Cause I find him, I, a, a, I, I find him a hypocrite, which is fine. I mean, it's a very human quality to be a hypocrite. Okay, so let's let's start off from the from the beginning, right? He is a tragic backstory villain. Mm -hmm. Facts. Terrible family issues. Uh, didn't really have anything to his name. 
Um, and his, his ideals were, I want to live forever. Like you, like, I want to live forever. That was his, like, that was his main goal. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is why he, well, he, he killed. And he I want to say it's probably like, a, not the, not, the, I mean, he had two main goals. So living forever wasn't his only goal. He wanted to create a world full of pure bloods. Mm, right. He wanted to get rid of all the muggles. Like he didn't hmm. like anybody who didn't have any magic. Um, remind me, did he care if people did he only want pure bloods or did he care if people were half blooded? Ah, I don't remember. Because he's not a pure blood, but I don't remember if he care if he was trying to create a world of only pure bloods or not. I know the pure bloods would have been the elite, which is funny because he's not pure blooded. That you see, it, it, it's very much Hitler, right? Like Aryan nation, even though I have black hair, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, one thing that uh, has always confused me. <laughs> right. One thing that's always confused me: Does Harry count as a half blood? He's not pure blooded, but he's he's not pure blooded. But his mother has magic in her, so even though she was a Muggle-born wizard, does that count? Like, is he still a half blood? I guess both of his, both of his parents assume. are wizards, right? Yes. Yeah, but they weren't pure blooded wizards, right? His dad was, but his, his mother was. is not because his mother yeah, is so a then, Muggle born wizard. Yeah, so then he's he's a half. -blood. I don't want to use the slur. <laughs> oh yeah, the mud blood. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude. <laughs> It does sound like a slur, doesn't it? It is it like is a slur. We don't use that. We don't use that calling word. Calling someone a mud blood, mud like mud blood. We don't, <laughs> we don't do that. Fucking mud blood. <laughs> I mean, what I would give Voldemort is that he did stick to his whole idea. He never tried to change in the face of, um, like adversary. Or whatever, like when he was about to lose, he didn't like beg or anything for forgiveness. And I will give him this: he does show fear. I think it's good when a villain does show fear. It's not like he's just a very like stone cold, like, total he, he knows badass. He can be defeated Ex at some point, exactly. And there is some kind of like I want to say, uh, not I guess non badassery where he, yeah, you see him scared of dying, and that's why he wants to live forever he's scared of dying i'm not really sure why he's scared of dying i feel like that's one disconnect i would like to see wait what what did you say was the disconnect i don't know why he's scared of dying i mean yes being scared of dying true but i don't know is it because like he had a bad childhood he doesn't like has he is his childhood been like a near-death experience or something i don't know i think when it comes to any kind of character arc, not just specifically a villain, I would like to know, like, know a reason why there's a certain reason for someone's philosophy or actions. See, oh man, I, I don't remember Voldemort's story enough because it's been so long since I've read the books and the movies didn't do as good of a job portraying it. So I don't even have like a visual 
memory of it but it was family related like he was very proud of where he came from was he he was well he was he was he was proud of the the wizarding side at least yeah i'm like i don't remember being proud i think he like hated like i think he hated his father I don't know the movie. Like I'm the only thing I haven't like visualized. I have to like read the book again to, or to Google search that because the real quick the fourth the fourth movie right. And this is one of those things that blew me about the Harry Potter uh, movies. And I don't want to get too far into this, mm-hmm. but the fourth movie starts with the Triwizard Tournament, doesn't it? Yes. Sorry, oh, well, sorry, sorry. No, um, the Quidditch World Cup. Yes. Well, I guess there's like a scene of Voldemort trying to interrogate some body that lives near hogwarts then he dies and then it's the right but, but what i'm up. saying is like the fourth book starts off oh uh, like you remember how the fourth book starts right i do not remember how exactly it starts it starts with the that uh the farmer frank getting killed oh yeah okay that's what i was referring to basically yeah yeah and i feel like and then they went through a whole like it was a whole thing about Voldemort's, uh, uh, you know, his whole start to his character. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're wasting too much time on that. Yeah, I-, I like Voldemort. I think he's a great villain, but I don't know. Something about the way he died was weak to me. You created your own, like, you created your your own adversary. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and and let him wash you, <laughs> <laughs> wash all seven of your lives. He even offed himself to kill Voldemort, and it worked. So, I don't know. Voldemort, I, I, I think the way a villain loses is also important in what makes a good villain. Yes. Like, you can't, you can't get bitched out. No, not at all. Like, you need to go out in grand fashion. And I feel like Voldemort went out like a bitch. He did. Like, that's, I felt it, it was kind of anticlimactic. Like, oh, it's yeah, over. Yeah, man. It didn't I don't know. So Yeah, I think I think that that's that that's a good uh aspect of what makes a good villain as well. Like they have to be almost unbeatable at a at the first point of contact with your protagonist. Um and so like the protagonist needs to get better or you know, progress in a way where they can finally conquer this villain, which is why a lot mm-hmm. of villains that we see that we've mentioned that were some of the top villains in our opinion uh like our our protagonists either leveled up like in a video game or came up with this plan where a bunch of them came together like in the movies and stuff um yeah, we're finally able to conquer, conquer this villain yeah because they're a tremendous wall to climb like you have there has to be some kind of great accomplishment in order to surpass this villain because you said oh, like, they're unbeatable they seem unbeatable thing. That brings me to another thing. The hero, like a villain is only as good as the hero, right? In what sense? Like, like, give me an example of a show in anime specifically where the villain is so much cooler than the main character. Like, this is super random, but <laughs> to me, I always thought Yugi was whack. And Kaiba, Pegasus, and Malik are all way better villains than Yugi is as a character. Even Yami Yugi, I felt like was kind of eh. I see but, that. But it, it, 
I feel like it doesn't really count. Be- well, if yeah, if we're talking about Kid Yugi, I think he's I think he's one of the weakest main characters compared to his villains. Like Pegasus was cool. He had the voice, and I know I'm only talking about in English, but I don't know. Pegasus had like a swagger about him. Um, if you guys seen Bleach, I would say Aizen is cooler than Ichigo. I don't think, you don't think Ichigo's cool? I think Ichigo's cool, but I think Aizen is personally cooler than Ichigo. Mm, okay. I'm I'm not really big on Bleach, so I can't I can't I can't argue with that one. At a certain point, Sasuke was cooler than Naruto. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. No, no, no. Sasuke was cooler than Naruto at the beginning of the show. But was Sasuke? Yeah. Was Sasuke wasn't really a villain at that point, though. Yeah, well, but you when, knew when it was they coming. when they fought, <laughs> you knew it was coming from episode one. True, true. Yeah, his his story was too tragic for him to not be a villain. But um, what about Ita- what about Itachi? What about Itachi then? Itachi was not a villain though. And in Naruto, he was. Not in Naruto Shippuden, not by the end of it, but in Naruto, it was he was, you know, he came, he was a villain, or he was okay, portrayed see, as one. No, okay. Now here's my thing. Can, but we knew, uh, we knew Itachi's true intentions were never to be a villain, even if he had to portray the villain. Does he count? True. He had to be portrayed as a villain and believed. Because he but, never really did any villainous yeah, thing. Yeah, he was. Ne- he, well, I mean, he killed his. Well, Jamal. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, he killed did. his yeah, my bad. family. He didn't really do anything bad. So, is a soldier <laughs> a villain for killing civilians in a foreign country then? Oh, God. Yes. I mean, if we're going to go at that, because Itachi was. We're not going to go there. Itachi was in a political position, though. Wait. Innocent people, yeah. I don't know, man. But that—that that, I think that's a—that's a bigger talk. And Itachi's not even a villain, so it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> I'll say, in Final Fantasy X, uh, that is, is not a show. Well, this is a—it's a video game. It's applicable. Um. Titus was not nearly as cool. I, I'd even say as much he wasn't as cool as Seymour, which wasn't the biggest villain in the game, but he wasn't as cool as Sin. I'd say he's cooler than uh fucking the final villain in the game, but like that's just because the final villain in the game was a god, but it was a bug. It was really weird. Um it wasn't like an aesthetically pleasing villain. No, at okay. all. But the the villains that you fight along the way are cooler than Titus because outside of battles, like in battles, he's fine. Like he's he's passable, kind of charismatic, and his attacks are pretty solid. But in the story, you're just like, oh my god, you're just a whiny fuck, dude. You're so annoying. And we're not going to go into the detail on the certain scenes that are just like iconic for being bad in that game but there were villains that were cooler than than him in that in that game for sure including so do you prefer do you prefer your villain to be cooler than the hero or should it be like an equal thing it adds a nice dynamic but obviously because you're following the protagonist you'd like the protagonist to be as cool if not cooler than the villain 
having a balance of cool protagonist and uh, like a, a villain that you can really understand. And if you like the villain too, that's an added bonus, but you want to support your protagonist and you want to love to hate your antagonist at the core, at the core of it all. But right. all the like branches off of that are a nice bonus. Cause I think for me, like, I think I prefer like a cooler villain. Like the absolute power villains are cool. But when I say cool, like I want like in, in demeanor, in the way you, uh, in the way that the villain speaks to the, the hero, like, cocky asshole type i like yeah that. but you'll i well, I'm, not, I'm not gonna i'm not gonna lessen your you know uh preference but do you always want to have your villain to be cocky or just sometimes like maybe they're confused or maybe they're just hurt to the point where they just hate everything you know or like you know they're they have a different route to being a villain than just being like i have this power i'm going to use it for my own good right but i don't think those two things are like mutually exclusive uh mutually exclusive i don't know like we're not we're not finished with demon slayer yet so i don't know muzan's like true nature or anything like that but for me is like the way he carries himself as a villain while he's hiding in plain sight that to me is something that makes a great villain like just being able to like walk around and just like i could kill everybody in this city if i wanted to but i'm not going to you want to see how this comes all for full circle yes so earlier i mentioned a good villain can basically either have a good motive and bad uh a bad way of carrying it out or uh you know kind of a weak motive but like excellent methods Okay. This kind of moves on kind of falls in the former in that category where his uh, he has this or actually no in the latter rather. So his motive, like his whole vision is just like, I'm a demon. I'm the demon. Fuck it. But the way he does it is fucking so just terrifying and like so powerful. it's controlled. Exactly. And that's why we love him as the villain because he's so strong, but the met, like the motive behind it all isn't clear yet. And if it, if it, if at a certain point we see that it's only just because he's like the devil, then it's like, eh, but whatever, like he's really cool because of all the shit that he's already done. So it, uh, it kind of, it kind of comes full circle to what I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So yeah, villainy, sick, fucking awesome, <laughs> Jamal. Any any closing thoughts on on villains? We spent a lot of time on it. We did. Yeah, we did. We definitely did. Any? What closing? time is it? Like, what do you mean? Like time, time during the is day. Five forty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I didn't know if you meant time, like how long we've been talking so far. Or... I, I'm using my phone on Zoom, so I can't check the time. Uh, oh, yeah, it's fine. Yes, I can, but I didn't want to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, I mean, that was the main that was the main topic of discussion today. We can we can run through these uh through these video game discussions quickly. I think. Yeah. So. Let's... So Otaku Street News. I do have a rumor. 
um, which involves uh, Sony uh, and or PlayStation acquiring um, from software. Uh, again, this is this is a rumor. This is all speculation at this point. I saw we all saw a tweet earlier uh, saying that it was kind of internally official, um, but that doesn't mean shit. But basically, uh, you know, we might see from software being a, an acquisition to Sony very soon here. Uh, and I also saw an article, article earlier today mentioning that this has kind of been in the rumor mill for the past uh, year and like a month and a half. Uh, for, so for the past 13 and a half months, it's kind of been discussed and kind of just thrown under the, under the radar. Uh, which is obviously if you're a PlayStation fan, that's some good news, as even more so if you're a Soulsborne fan from software. Um, now on the flip side, I know I mentioned that like uh, Microsoft acquiring Activision Blizzard was a pretty big deal. It's pretty cool. Um, Chris also said that it was a good thing because it's going to kind of push Sony and PlayStation to really nut up and and acquire some big studios of their own. And with the uh, with the uh, the new PlayStation Plus uh, model that they have, with the uh, the games dropping, I mean, honestly, I think this this whole generation of like consoles having uh, like everyone just kind of picking up picking up chess pieces and moving them around for the for the future. Uh, Chris was talking about this. This is great for the industry. Like, mm -hmm. it's bad because it monopolizes it, but because there's three giant, like, there's three giants rather than one, it, you know, we, we like competition. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's already been monopolized. Like, everything, every industry has been monopolized at this point. So, when it's the already... The, day, the gamers point, win. Right. And, and when, when the big boys play, the gamers win. When it's already at that point, you might as well get your shit. You might as well do what you can to make your money. But as long as it's quality, as long as it's good for the people that are giving you the money, because we're a smart audience now, like back uh, in the 1900s, like they were just kind of blindly buying things and paying for things and never really critiqued anything. Um, the 1900s. Can you not say it like that? Well, you know, that's kind of just how you got to phrase it now because we're fucking... No, you know. bro, the 1900s. Ew. Hey, guess what? We're almost a quarter in to the 21st century. Yeah. So, you know, let's go ahead and just accept it for what it is because we're all going to die and it's all going <laughs> to be good. Woohoo! Wow. <laughs> Woohoo! Okay. <laughs> um but yeah so fucking from software great studio obviously huge following especially with this latest release of elden ring and like me being an elden ring fan uh i still gotta go back and play the, play the other games but i'm a i'm a new fan to the genre um and so seeing this it's kind of disheartening i don't know what'll come of it but at the same time like there might be light at the end of the tunnel as an xbox guy because even though uh, Microsoft acquired Activision, um, they have yet to say that, oh, Call of Duty games are going to be an Xbox exclusive. And on the same hand, they also said that, oh, they're not going to make an, uh, make it an exclusive series. 
Um, who knows what the future holds for that? But uh, I think there there can be. I, I I feel like we pit those two big companies against each other more than they need to be um, because they know that there's mutual money to be made. Oh so, yeah, I was gonna say like Elden Ring and the Call of Duty series and things like that. They make far too much money on both consoles for anyone to really like, you know. Like there's there's I don't know how owning the intellectual par- uh, property works, but Xbox has to be getting some sort of money for being able to allow PlayStation to license the Call of Duty series, right? Now PlayStation can kind of do the same thing with Microsoft with the Soulsborne series games going forward. Mm-hmm. I would assume that's how it works like that, and it's one of those things where it's like, hey, you take from me, I can take from you. But at the end of the day, this is my property. And if I so choose to rip it away, like if, if they want to trade Call of Duty for Soulsborne games, I know that's a horrible <laughs> or a horrible like match. But, you know, just for example, like Sony can can rip that shit and then boom, now it's exclusive. Now it's driving up PS5 sales. Xbox yeah. does the same thing with Call of Duty. Boom. You want you want to play this game, either PC or Xbox, get them. So, but I don't, I don't feel like, I don't feel like they're, they're going to do that anytime soon. There, there's too many, there's too many gamers winning and the way that uh, we're finally starting to move towards um, what's the word uh, cross-platform play, like as a norm, there, yeah. there's really no way to, there's no reason to fuck that up now. Yeah, and you know, at the end of it all, as of right now, it's still Rumorville, um, and nothing has really come out uh, to the point where it's concrete. So, kind of take everything with a grain of salt. But it's also just... April Fool's Day, so yeah. But th- again, like I mentioned, this is ha- this has been kind of circulating for the past uh, thirteen months. Um, so, and that was before Elden Ring was, uh, you know, obviously released, but when it started actually getting some some uh some tread uh in terms of marketing and stuff like that so um yeah that would be huge huge if true huge if true not yet well yeah i mean don't i mean plus just to give a little more evidence bloodborne a from software game i think is um exclusive to PlayStation. playstation exclusive yeah so I could see certain games from them being exclusives, uh, maybe like remasters of uh, Dark Souls games later on, if that even happens, or just new IPs. But um, I mean, again, until we hear something concrete, that's just all rumors uh, and speculation. Yeah, the, the Sony-Microsoft war is, is taking a bunch of interesting turns week after week. Meanwhile, Nintendo is continuously just fucking over their fan base week to week. This time, I don't, I don't, I don't remember the, the, the details and why they've done this, but they are removing Super Smash Brothers from E, from, sorry, not E3, from Evo this year. And it's a very, very sad, I mean, for everyone who who loves that game, that this is just a sad day. Like, you don't want to take away Nintendo's biggest fighting franchise from the biggest fighting game tournament in existence. 
but luckily the the community is very strong and they're gonna they're gonna continue to have their huge events and they get great turnout so it'll it'll succeed despite nintendo continually trying to to abandon it and if anyone's uh hearing this and their immediate reaction is oh well maybe it's not nintendo it it, it has to be evo nope uh evo shared in a release while we're thankful for all amazing uh, all the amazing games joining us later this year in las vegas we want to let you know in advance that super smash bros will not be making a return appearance since 2007 15 years ago we've seen historic super smash bros moments created at evo's events and we are saddened that nintendo keyword nintendo has chosen not to continue that legacy with us this year so this is Nintendo's decision. This is not Evo. Which is so weird. Like, why? Do they feel like because Smash Ultimate is that game or DLC that they don't need, like, Smash at Evo anymore? So they're like, okay, I'm just going to pull it. But then again, why since 2007? Is it because um, 2007 is when, Ult- was when Brawl came out, right? Or was that 2008? Brawl came out in 2008, and um, I don't know if Brawl ever had, like, an Evo. Oh, I'm sure it did. But Brawl, like, competitively had too many flaws. So I remember Smash 4 and Melee were running, like, concurrently for a couple years, and then they eliminated Melee. But it was fine because Ultimate was coming out soon. Now Ultimate is... Ultimate's gone too. Like I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not seeing anything like where Nintendo releases a statement because this is from this. The article that I just uh, uh, read off of was from February, um, and so far I'm not seeing anything from Nintendo directly. Uh, it's kind of just like we can speculate all we want. Maybe they just like they didn't want Evo to attract a lot of a lot of COVID attention and they didn't want to be associated with that. But still, like that's weird. Like all these other games are not the games themselves are not gonna be blamed for COVID or whatever happens at these tournaments. So that kind of rules that out. But or like is Nintendo trying to have their own tournament where people come to a Nintendo Nintendo sponsored event? Like, I just don't get it where it's only Smash Brothers. I I don't see the, the thought, be, like the logic behind that decision. I mean, I did a quick Google search. I didn't read the entire article, but it says back in July 2020, the competitive Smash Bros community saw over 50 sexual misconduct allegations as significant players were hit with stories and claims of their behavior, both in and out of events. This led to that year's EVO online event being canceled. But that was the online event. So I don't know if they just feel like Smash has too much. I guess the community has too much negative it does, um, it does impact. Get so they don't want, Nintendo doesn't want that associated, especially since this will be like an in-person thing or something. So I don't know. Maybe they're worried that this might something like this might happen again. It might ruin, like, an image or something with them. But I don't know if people ever saw that, oh, like, why Nintendo, if their players have, you know, this much 
like allegations against them. And also the thing is the community kind of took care of that themselves. Like certain people would be banned and like they, they, the community was able to handle it and Nintendo never really had to get involved with it. But I guess the negative publicity is enough to want to pull it. But like I said, the game is still going to succeed and it's still going to live on through these, these huge tournaments that they have. So, I mean, Nintendo can try to kill Smash Brothers all they want, but it'll never work. Hey, how about maybe if you go to a gaming tournament, the goal isn't to get laid? I don't know. Like, what are you <laughs> doing, bro? Stop, tr- stop sexually harassing people while you're there watching people fucking fight each other in an alternate reality. What is wrong with you? Because then you see what happens. Nintendo says, fuck these guys. We're worried about making money, not hearing about people, you know, touching each other while watching Mario fight fucking Ness. What is going on? If that's the reason, that's mind blowing. I don't know, man. Some of these people I mean, take the word not. smash to heart. <laughs> yeah, it, ew. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Super smash me, bro. Super smash me, bro. All right. So the big uh, the big news All of right. the weekend. Okay. So the E3 is no more. E3 2022 has been completely canceled. You know, now do we think do we think this is just a one year thing or is E3 done? I don't know about done. They'll have to do something that's significantly different from these consoles, like own individual from you know PlayStation State of Play, um, Nintendo Direct. They'll have to bring something that those companies don't bring themselves. Nintendo doesn't obviously need to be at E3. They've been doing online E3 events for a bit now. They've been doing fine with their directs. It's kind of really hard to say because ever since these online direct things, like what's E3 good for? I mean, I guess you can try out games, but all companies really need to do is just release demos. I think E3 was great because it forced everyone to try to have some news ready June of every year. So you could always expect if you knew a big game was coming, oh, okay, maybe we'll see it at E3. Like, Nintendo just gave uh, the uh, the video delaying Breath of the Wild. We're not going to get any, we don't know when we're going to get news. We could have expected some some trailers, some, you know, some interviews at E3. Now we're not getting anything at all. I don't like, see, when you said, like, force them to have news, that kind of... That's like a double-edged sword because, yes, if you have news that's ready to be released, ready to be released, that's good. But if you're just releasing news, even if, even if the company personally doesn't think that it should be, but because E3 is coming up, like, all right, well, we got to give something. So let's just tell them this. It kind of goes against it because I see Breath of the Wild now we're just waiting for a release date. Now it's just been delayed. When maybe but at when, E3 it didn't need to be maybe they maybe personally they didn't want to release it, but because there's only so many games that they have, they feel like they had to give them something, give the people something. Yeah, but news is just news. It's not like they have to release the games by E3. We already know how bad rush games perform. As long as I'm getting a steady stream of like, okay, you guys are still working on this, right? 
like it hasn't been canceled, right? Metroid Prime Four. Like Jamal, when are you ever gonna get news about that game ever again? You're not. I don't know. Personally, so I re- personally I'd rather not have heard anything about Metroid Prime Four. Like I th- I th- I told you this over the phone. I don't like to hear anything about games unless it's coming out six months from now. Yeah, I I wouldn't I would prefer not to like hear about something if it's like oh coming out fucking May 2027. Like all right, well what the fuck was the point of that? Like oh no, in that case that? yes. Yeah. If if they're not talking about like within the next three quarters, yeah, I don't really want to hear that you have a game coming out spring 2023 yet. But you know. But see, you, you, have, to, you have to build hype. If you it, exactly and like building hype is different than just like letting everyone know that eventually something might come out. And I feel like Breath of the Wild, trust me, everyone's gonna play it. Like everyone wants to play it. But the fact that like it's been so long, it's been five years almost, and they all they've done is that they've released a video telling us that it's been delayed. And it's like, all right, well, now there is still hype behind it, but there are going to be criticisms now because you just laid the groundwork for the hype so early on. And now people are going to be like, well, they just keep on delaying it. Like what the fuck is wrong with them? That's all you're going to get up until the point where they actually show gameplay or even the release. There are going to be people, more people uh, now that are going to be critical of it, even as it's released. Um, And that's the trouble with giving a reveal when nothing is ready. And I think that kind of relates back to Jamal's double-edged sword is that like, if you give too much hype too early on when it's n- there's nothing to show, people are going to criticize you because all you want is attention instead of kind of putting together a quality product. Okay, I'm not mad at that. But, I mean, I'm going to fucking play the shit out of Breath of the Wild too. I'll tell you that much. No, no, no. The game is going to sell itself. That's That's not going to be a problem at all. Critical yeah. reception is different, but if you've already bought the game, that's all the business, that's all the bottom line cares about. But I will say this, I guess E3 was also good for companies. While I personally don't like them showing news for something that's one, not ready, and then they're just making something, it does give them the funds for to get stocks, because one, I didn't know games really got stocks until it became a big thing with Cyberpunk and like you know the lawsuits and stuff because of how mm-hmm. poorly the game released. So I guess it gives, you know, Yeah, that's true. So, you know, there's there's pros and cons and I guess when it comes down to money, like that's the biggest pro. Like if you can get more money for the product then fuck what people say like they're sending letters to your headquarters like all right, well, I got to I got $20 million from this investor. I don't give a fuck what John from Milwaukee says to me. (laughs) Um, And so uh, the Entertainment Software Association, who, uh, you know, organizes E3 every year, uh, also known as the ESA, they released a statement on this. Um, They said, E3 will return in 2023 with a reinvigorated showcase that celebrates new and exciting video games and industry innovations. Um, you know, they talk about how they said that E3 was not going to be in person in 2022 due to COVID, but now they're also saying that there's no, there's not going to be any digital uh, showcase. Um, 
they said, instead, we will devote all our energy and resources to delivering a revitalized physical and digital E3 experience next summer. Um, whether enjoyed from the show floor uh, or your favorite devices, the showcase will bring the community, media, and industry back together, um, yada, yada, yada. So we look forward to seeing you in Los Angeles in 2023. Um, so we'll pay. It's not done. They will be back uh, next year, hopefully with a vengeance. Um, and it sucks to hear that they're canceling everything this year, but uh, at least at the end of the tunnel, there's a little bit of light saying that they'll be back next year. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I mean, uh, a, a big reboot is definitely necessary. I don't think, has E3 ever been canceled before? Not that I'm aware of. 2020, right? I think they switched to digital. Yeah, I think they did. I don't digital. think it was canceled. Oh. Like there was no physical. So E3, I mean, I just don't like not knowing. Like, I, I just like knowing that I'm going to get some news about something at a specific day. If Nintendo had their uh, directs on a schedule, if the state of plays were on a schedule, I would be okay with it. Because at least I, I would know when to expect it. Now I don't know when to expect anything until Nintendo decides on like July 5th, hey, we got a direct coming on the 12th. Get ready. Oh, no. E3 was canceled. Sorry to interrupt, but E3 was canceled in 2020. So there was no physical or digital. Correct. It was completely canceled. there was canceled. a digital last year. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's different. 2020, everything got canceled. We like the world. We, we can forgive them for that. But maybe that cancellation is what got them to realize, hey, we need to do something different. Yeah, everybody's now doing a digital thing, which kind of defeats the purpose of I don't know what I don't know what their turnout physically, I guess, like a physical event versus a digital event. But maybe if it was if there was a more turnout for a digital event, which I would imagine, because obviously there's only a certain amount of people that can fit into, I guess, the convention center. Then yeah, maybe they realize that yeah, they do have to do something different to really stand out. In the past couple of years, especially 2020, when E3 was canceled, we've seen a a huge uh, not resurgence, but like an emergence of uh, the, you know the big three kind of hosting their own conferences, like uh, um, Nintendo Directs and uh, PlayStation Play or showcases and the Xbox or the Microsoft showcase, blah, blah, blah. Like we see all of those separately. Whereas those used to like be mostly in E3. They, I'm sure they would have their own separate things occasionally, but like ever since we've seen E3 kind of take a, a back seat to those, um, we've seen all of them separately. Like instead of having one big E3, we're getting all these different showcases throughout the year. True. Like, I don't think PlayStation never really did a state of play before. COVID. State of play, that's what it was. Yeah, but Nintendo has done, I mean, Nintendo Directs, but it hasn't been as frequently as we see it now. Now, yeah, maybe... we're seeing them, like, what, three, four times a year? Yeah, exactly. And then they'll also have, like, their little mini Directs or, like, indie showcases where they'll just show off some smaller games, but nothing really big. And I'm hoping that, like, next year, now that there's, like, they're basically confirming ahead of time that they're going to be back, I'm hoping that, like, they're going to communicate with these big three and uh, just say, Hey, give it, give us a shot. Like 
we know that you guys have had success with your showcases separate from E3, but let's bring this community back together where it's not just fucking Sony versus PlayStation versus Nintendo, um, where it's all just one community. We can be there uh, physically, uh, you can be on the showroom floor or watch digitally, but it's all like the spectacle of E3. So it helps and, all that. And also there's a lot, there's a lot to be said about like winning E3. Like, I know it's not a competition, but as that company, you you definitely want to be known as the one that won E3. Right. When Nintendo announced the Switch, they won. Like, they won. They were the first to jump on. I don't even know if that happened at E3. <laughs> but whenever they showed that Switch the first time, or whatever they had ready for E3, the year that the Switch was going to launch, they had already won because they were the first to jump into the next uh, console generation. They came with this amazing new idea, like, and it's, it's huge. And you want, you want to have E3 to showcase that because yeah. you know, everybody's bringing their best, like everyone's bringing their A game there. You're only as good as your competition, right? So bringing them all to one place is and, and not even just for the big companies, but for the smaller develop, like for the developers themselves, like, like, I want to see what Activision has coming out. Like, I want to see what the indie, the indie guys, you know, can come up with. You, you want to win E3 and E3 has been a staple of this community for so long. I just would hate to see it, you know, be forgotten about. Yeah, because as you said, it's not competition. People want to win E3, but by winning you get the most amount of publicity and attention on your company compared to everybody else. And at this point, news, like you want the news. The way this cycle yeah. is, the news cycle is constantly, constantly, constantly going towards the next thing. You want to have that one thing that sticks. Elden Ring has stuck. Yeah, like no. you want that level. Yeah, that game has stuck. And it was funny, like, it's, I don't know. I don't know. If people really talk about Elden Ring, but this that initial impact, like oh, like one of the greatest game of all time, like all those critical reviews, and it it like came out of. I, I don't want. To, I don't know really, but it seemed like it came out of nowhere. Like oh, like this game is it became like amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it was like a meteor hitting the earth. There's just a crater of Elden Ring players, and you can't yeah. like miss it. Like you can't. You can't not know that it exists. And that that was kind of a point that I brought up in the uh, first part of our season three finale was like this this game has garnered a lot of casual attention, um, and that's and huge. It's massive, and I myself am a casual Dark Souls or Soulsborne player because I never played any games before Elden Ring, and now I'm like borderline obsessed with the game. Yeah, um, for me to even I, consider after never playing the game, that's how you know. Right. And I'm just curious, like, what could have happened had, uh, you know, this year, like at, e- at an E3, if a game like this j- just has the potential to come out of nowhere and grab this much casual attention. But I mean, we can still maybe see that in the showcase, but I don't think it would have the same gravity now that El- Elden Ring has like set the precedent for that. If we'll see that from another title outside of E3. Oh, for sure. Exactly. Because E3 is that moment where, there's always going to be some kind of hidden gem. You're not going to get some news or you don't have like these big three companies making a tweet like, okay, we have a state of play. Can you normally know 
what that's going to be about. E3, right. you know you there's going to be games, but you don't know what games are going to be released. Crazy, crazy shit. Yeah. What the future holds. Can't wait to see what they come out with, though, in 2023, if they do for real come back and not, like, take another break off. It'll be interesting to see how they reinvigorate the show. Well, because, yeah, they're making this claim that it's going to be a whole new, like, experience, so... That'd be sick. What maybe it maybe it'll be interactive, like mm, digitally. That'll be interesting. But we'll find out next year. Uh, but until then, I'll talk straight out. Ah, uh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs>